Listeners everywhere, welcome to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan, the weekly fix for your screen addiction and a trusted source for discussion of all things film and television. Please keep in mind that for the purposes of this podcast, Joel and Ryan are not acting as journalists, but rather fellow moving picture enthusiasts. All of their opinions should be taken as such. Also, please be warned that while Joel and Ryan may seem like petulant children, they are, in fact, adults who may occasionally use adult language. While they promise to keep out all the worst words, it's a good bet you will still understand what they were saying. And now, with no further ado, here's Joel and Ryan. It's happening. It is happening. It's that feeling. It's it's the sound that plays the first time you get a black leather jacket. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. If you don't recognize that theme. You know what's great about that theme is that's not the theme that plays when you first get the black leather jacket. I, that's what I love most about it. Oh no! When in the movie, that's not what plays when he gets the. No, it's always something corny, right? Because the the wasn't the first one bad to the bone. Yeah, in, yeah. In the second movie, yes. When he oh, in the second gets movie, a leather jacket. In the second movie, it's bad to the bone. In my head, it's always. <laughs> and uh, uh, and in fact, to this day, when I'm putting on, and sometimes when I'm putting on sunglasses. And sometimes when I'm having to fix my robotic eye, <laughs> I'm, I'm just you know, anytime, yeah, any, I'm whenever I'm riding a, a a motorcycle with a shotgun, is yeah, it doesn't happen often, frankly though. No, um, not to me. Welcome, either. welcome to the movie show with Joel and Ryan. I am Joel, and I'm Ryan. And we're super happy to have you back here uh, for another episode. Um, I kind of realized we just sort of started. I started the show and started talking about Terminator and never uh, actually formally started the show. And they uh, knew because it said Terminator across the thing. and Right. Because when they clicked on it, it had a little picture of a Terminator skull on it. And they right. had to have known. They had to have known right. what they and were if, signing up for at this Yeah. Point. And if you're watching the video, I had Terminator scrolled right across the thing and I I probably gave myself a red eye. Did you? To yeah, I I have a feeling I'll do that uh, depending <laughs> on how my day goes <laughs> the rest of the day when I'm editing this. Um, but welcome, we are super happy to have you uh, joining us for another uh, another week. And um, yeah, we're gonna get into it. We're gonna um, we're gonna talk about the Terminator franchise. Um, Ja- one of Such James Cameron's is. other, yeah, one of James Cameron's other things he likes to uh, do over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, well, we'll talk uh, about that. He sort of abandoned this because he, it's not his intellectual property. The way right. the stuff that he went, that he was doing going forward was. They got paid a lot, made a lot of money on, especially on Terminator 2. Um, but it. the rights of it have bounced around from thing to thing to thing. And we'll talk about that Mm -hmm. a little bit as we go, because it's there. None of them, only the last two films were, whoops, can't hear myself anymore. What happened? Oh no, I can hear you. 
I can hear you. Can you hear me? Only I can. Only the last okay. two films. I heard like a bird chirping, like some weird digital uh, Terminator bird, and then I Uh-oh. couldn't hear myself. And now I can hear me. Yep, that's that. what's okay. Um, Here they come. The machines are rising. <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Oh, only the pre- <laughs> only the previous, the last, the most recent two Terminator films were made by the same studio. Well, otherwise they all made by a different one. Um, so when you're buying those complete video sets, they tend to be a mess because they don't. There's no rights issues yeah. and things like that are all over the map. So Terminator's a weird, weird one in that way. Um, so let's, let's jump right into, uh, 1984's Terminator. You can play the deep dive theme if you want. <laughs> oh yes, I should. Yes. Yeah, just technically this is I a mean, deep dive. Know. Maybe now no, you're started, right. No, we you're right. I don't need to do I, that, but I just got super excited. Hey, anytime we get a chance to play the deep dive fanfare, I right. am all for it. It's a all Terminator right, franchise I, deep dive, baby. Here we go. What I didn't realize going back uh, to 1984's The Terminator is that um, this uh, dystopian future where the machines have taken over everything and are trying to uh, eliminate us is uh, that's from the year 2029. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're only seven years away from. uh, What's the date of Judgment Day? They lay it right on the line in Terminator 2. Uh, it is Hostile Vista, baby. Um, what the heck is that? Because I think date? we've moved beyond that at this point, well beyond it. But uh, of course, that's the point uh, of that movie. This is where sometimes IMDb and me do not get. Oh, I don't know that IMDb would be much help with that. It is something you kind of have to Google. I'm sure people ask it from time to time. What day is Judgment Day? Mm-hmm. I think it's worth knowing. Getting on your uh, calendar. What day is Judgment Day in Terminator 2? It is August 29th, 1997. Yeah, we are, we are way we are past way that. way beyond that. So... Just curious. It's cool that 2029 is where it starts. That's good to know, too. But that's just where we're seeing those images for the first time. Um, it's fun. It's a it's a fun opening. It's a fun opening scroll. It doesn't really scroll. It just flashes across the screen. But it's it that whole, uh, you know, our the future will be fought in our streets tonight or whatever, how it ends. That's always really, yeah. really neat. And we talked about several times on the show and you just heard a little piece of it. Brad Fidel's music, you know, when, when, uh, all the people who ended up working on the Terminators, Dan Winston, Arnold Schwarzenegger, to some degree, certainly Brad Fidel, they were all 
kind of meeting with Cameron and they would get his pitch for what the thing was going to be. And I think, and all of them to some degree were wishy-washy as to whether they were interested in doing the thing until they got that, got that, uh, treatment and got that, the personal, what it's going to be from him. And then every one of them caught the bug and wanted to be a part of it. And I think that's really kind of neat. Cameron had, just been fired from his previous from his directorial debut, Piranha Two: The Spawning. That's the one with the flying <laughs> piranhas. Yep. That was shot in Italy, I want to say, or maybe Greece or something. But I think it was Italy, and uh, but somewhere over there, some Mediterranean European place, they shot that film. And he was uh, he was over. He'd been fired. I told this story before, but he was breaking into the editing bay at night to edit the film the way he wanted it. So even though that it's a bit of a, it's sort of a turd of a film, he still was really, he, he, he refused to leave until they kind of put, finally caught him doing that and put him on a plane and sent him back. And he, rumors say, or this legend says that he had the flu and had this sort of fever dream while he was flying home. <laughs> of this robot of this all these flames and this kind of robot skeletal thing rising out of them and sort of coming at him and that became the genesis for what would uh, no pun intended what would uh what the terminator would become and he sat down wrote the script the script was making the rounds through hollywood everybody loved the scripts and it was um but nobody really wanted to hire this guy who all he'd done was, you know, special effects and stuff on Roger Corman movies. And this, this movie that everyone agreed was terrible that he was, that he was fired from. So, so nobody, even though they all liked it and it was causing ripples, you know, in the industry, nobody was going to just quick hire him for this gig. And, and you know, finally, when they found a small enough outfit that was interested in it, they saw it as an exploitation movie that they could exploit. Uh, Hemdale, which is Derek Gibson, and I don't remember the other guy's name. The two guys who produced this for Hemdale. Hemdale was a an offshoot of Orion Pictures, which already was right. a, was a small studio as it was. So you were a small shingle within a tiny studio in Hollywood. And here's your eight million bucks, you know, don't spend it all in one place was basically the deal. Uh and they they made that work, you know. Eight million dollars is barely is only a little more than half of what Schwarzenegger made for coming back and doing wow. the sequel. It 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 really was guerrilla filmmaking. You know, they got permits mm -hmm. to shoot some places where they had to, and then other places they just snuck in there and did it. The entire final sequence out in the desert of Terminator was shot, you know, without permits and stuff, without anything, and was shot in a way that you couldn't, like if a cop rolled up, which one did, you couldn't distract him with, uh, oh, look, at here's a... a robot face you know and this is going to be fun it's movie it's movies it's just a chick on a jeep with a dog and a couple extras and it's like uh you know how do we talk our way out of this but um 
Cameron's fiance at the time, Gail Ann Hurd, she did a really, really good job of finessing those situations. And she was really, really tough with people. This is still kind of her reputation. And yet really diplomatic where he would not be. So they, right. were, a, they were a very, very good team in that way. Um, uh, John Daly was the other John guy. Daly, Gibson Gibson and John Daly, thanks to Derek Gibson. Well, mm-hmm. they... They deserve a little credit. They're the ones who finally said, "Okay, yes, let's make this thing." Um, they didn't. They didn't treat the franchise really nicely afterwards. They again. They it would. They like cheap exploitation film. That's what they saw it as. Oh, robots or whatever. Like this is you know we can slap a picture of a robot. Eight million's a little more than a than a total low budget feature, but it's just not much even for nineteen eighty four to really get a full science fiction thing off the ground. You really, really had to be resourceful to make a film like that on that budget at that time. All shot almost entirely at night in a Los Angeles surrounding area. So so it's neat the way it came together, you know, and um, it, Schwarzenegger's agent actually sent him to uh, actually sent him wanting him to be the hero of the movie. Arnold mm. wanted to make wanted to do something, anything that wasn't another sort of loincloth adventure because he could feel himself. Right. Be- becoming only that. And, and he was only ever going to be Conan. Or and, yeah. whomever, or the guy yeah. that is Conan but isn't in Red Sonia. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Conan and adjacent. Conan 2 yeah. and Conan 7. Like, he just saw that that was all he was going to be, that the muscles mm-hmm. were going to be the whole show. So, and that was the concept that you needed to send this, that really was the concept that's right in the script, that you needed to send this badass, tough dude to fight this Terminator, which was this infiltration thing. The Terminator, at the time, there were a lot of different ideas. The studio really wanted O.J. Simpson to play the Terminator. That didn't come yep. to fruition. But, uh, but So he went ahead and played it in real life. <laughs> <laughs> or did he? We can't or did he? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah he probably did. But <laughs> he we, probably did. You know, hard Sorry, to say. I did not mean to it's, derail it. It's still infuriatingly hard to say for sure. And, <laughs> um, yeah, so he wasn't it. But that's the idea. I think Cameron, if he'd have gotten Schwarzenegger or somebody who had been a name above the title in movies to play the hero, to play the Kyle Reese character, then the Terminator really could have been just whomever. And the guy that he wanted, the Terminator, and there's a ton of conceptual drawings of him as the Terminator is Lance Henriksen, who he'd worked with, the only actor he was carrying over from Piranha 2. And that would have been neat, because here's just a guy, although Lance can definitely have some, he has something sinister about him when he wants to have that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there, there'll be a little extra something there, but he would just be this, this, you know, average build, average looking dude who, uh, who just shows up and is this unstoppable robot. That might've been fun. Uh, they, you know, f- films in the future sort of pay that idea off a little bit. But when he sat Mm -hmm. down with Schwarzenegger for lunch or whatever, they met in a restaurant or something someplace. Um, And Cameron really only met with him because he was the biggest star he was asked to meet with. And he didn't 
think he'd be very good for the role, but it, just out of respect, he thought he would sit down with him, at least talk it over. So he gave him his pitch, and, and Schwarzenegger had came very prepared. He'd read through the thing. He'd he kind of had all these ideas, but all of Schwarzenegger's ideas was, well, I think the Terminator would do this, and I think the Terminator, would, like, when he moves his head, he would do it like this. And he just kept – he was super into this idea of being the Terminator, even though mm-hmm. the thought hadn't occurred to him yet that he could be – that's where the connection was and Cameron liked what he heard he liked all those ideas he loved his enthusiasm and you know for the project and it was was really going to help smooth things over with people if he cast Schwarzenegger in the film someplace or you know so he did they agreed that he'd be the Terminator and then they sort of flip things and I think the film works better that they did, even though I, I think the original idea is what it would be. I think, I think visually it being an underdog story right from the start, even though it's even more of one than you see, it helps it a lot. I think Schwarzenegger Mm -hmm. as the unstoppable thing and, uh, Michael Bean as the just nervy wired soldier from the future, just doing his best to hold his own with it gives the thing a sense of drive and desperation that it wouldn't have otherwise. So I really do believe that that whenever that flip happened, it was for the best. And Lance still got to show up. He's got a little part, which once we start working through the movie, we can talk about a little bit because it's yep. pretty, <laughs> pretty entertaining. And he may, he absolutely makes the most of his screen time in the film. Um, and that's pretty much it. Then after that, we're off to the races. They had to find um, young heroine for the story, who really is the main character of the movie. And the right. film, it's not just, oh, it's a surprise that she's the main character. It's The film makes sure you know, you know, even though she's... The film makes sure you know right up front that this is, this is who the story is about. This, um, this, uh girl who's got all this bad luck you see her at her day job at the cafe and <laughs> yeah. You, yeah you hear her getting stood up for a date night that's on the answering machine it's they've got that great answering machine haha ha, you're talking to a machine the film's actually full of puns and gags and technology related jokes like that that are throughout but it's funny how none of them are None of them land with an explanation point. It's a, it's amazing when you go back and watch Terminator how what a subtle hand Cameron has when he's directing this stuff. Even though he wrote, and his writing can be very deliberate and very, you know, uh, honestly can be very corny. And I don't, Gail Ann Hurd had a term for it. I can't remember what she said, but it was like, your stuff needs a rewrite. It needs to be toned down from this sort of... Um, I don't mm-hmm. remember the term she used, but it was perfect. She nailed it, as you t- expect somebody's ex-wife would do. <laughs> Nail every weakness of you. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, they're still friends and still friendly, so that's bodes, that bodes well for the thing. Uh, he's been married to a bunch of folks. <laughs> they're all, yeah. They all still get along to some degree, maybe because there aren't any kids involved, perhaps. It's hard to say. Um that might help a little bit. Maybe it hurts a little bit. Sometimes it helps a little bit. Helped uh, Demi Moore and Bruce Willis, right? They just yeah, uh, sure. 
Yeah, they were the famous Hollywood couple that when they got divorced, they they were they still would show up at each other's birthday parties and they would do everything together and and remained a partnership in the family that was for their children. And people asked them how they, the other famous people getting divorced. Like, Come on, how did you guys do it? And um, to me, Morris says it's maybe sounds weird, but we just decided to do it. You know, it wasn't some. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't some automatic thing. We, we or it, we said we're going to do this, and even if this isn't working, we're going to fake it. We're both pretty decent actors, and eventually, you, f- you fake it till you make it. It literally is that kind of thing that we we carved out the life we want for each other. Or as they would say in the Terminator movies, "There's no fate but what you make for yourself." It's a neat story, and it's it's makes me happy for some reason. I'm not sure why. But anyway, back to Terminator. Uh, what'd you say? 2029. Very, very yep. cool and well realized, <laughs> although very, very two dimensional, but still very cool vision of a post apocalyptic future, you know, that, and it's kind of amazing. Terminator 2 pulls it off to some degree, although we don't spend as much time there in that film. All the rest of these movies who've tried to show us the future wars and stuff, like, they just fall completely flat trying to show the future. They, they, nothing comes close to the nightmare that we experience at the beginning of this movie visually or the flashbacks that are that the that our um, bodyguard soldier has throughout the film. They are extremely powerful and just make you feel like truly that it, that it's hopeless. Um, what's left of humanity is is nothing, and it, it's kind of awesome in that way um not to mention that just from a design standpoint cameron's designs of these like shiny chrome flying and driving tanks and jets and killing machines um very cool like there's nothing quite like that either they do sort of all look like they're made out of aluminum cans or whatever there's a lack of dimension to them there's a lack of like that george lucas sort of dinged up lived in quality to them but that's what's so cool about them is they they look like things that machines would make for themselves to kill us and i always think that's really really neat and continues to pay off right um and then, uh, then what happens? It, a really brilliant cut from the creepy future to that uh, garbage, the hydraulic uh, fork lift on the front of that garbage truck. So you're not really sure if you're in the present day or not until mm-hmm. the camera pulls out and shows you, oh, it's just a normal garbage truck. And a lot of <laughs> these guys, all these extras at the beginning of the movie, they're not extras. They're, they're, featured players really because they all have lines and stuff but their lines all feel they're all barely audible this guy's line is what the hell yep <laughs> but it's something brilliant about it the bum that 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 reese steals his clothes from is his lines are like took my pants man <laughs> <laughs> and they're just they're sort of buried in the because i don't think i think it's all adr after the fact so i think the there's no attempt to sync up what they're saying with their, what their mouths are doing. It's really, you kind of don't really show the people and then you put the words in there wherever they fit best. It's very clever. It's a very clever, low budget way to do these scenes. And yet 
I remember, of course, I've seen this movie a million times, but I just remember all these little bits of passing dialogue. Uh, do you remember, Joel, who the cops are actually looking for, the name of the guy, when they when they think they've spotted him in the alley, even though they've spotted our hero? Uh, no. Rafferty. <laughs> why, why that's a line, I don't know. But wait, you, they, they, they're push the spotlight down the window, they see him down there, this shirtless guy, and the cop says, it's Rafferty! <laughs> and that's why the chase happens. It's not for any other reason. It's not because, hey, it's some weird guy from the future without a shirt on or whatever. It's They think he's somebody they've been, they're actually looking for, which is why they chase him. And that one line takes care of all that for us, and we can get into this action with two words. And you know he's got to he's got to run from him. He's being arrested is not part of the mission at all for Kyle. But of course, I skipped over the big thing, which was was our the Terminator showing up, walking across the what is it, the planetarium up there, the telescope up in the hills of Hollywood, basically the very oft shot location. And yeah. at the edge of the parking lot for that, there's this great overlook of the city, and they've got these little you know little tele, little quarter telescopes that you look through and look at stuff and uh four guys for uh sex pistols fans basically are hanging out by these things and fighting with each other uh most famous of which is one who's very conveniently terminator sized <laughs> and uh and and the most famous of which is bill paxton who does a really nice job in this scene yep Bill Paxton, I think Rick Grosovich from Top Gun is another one in there. No, Rick is uh, Rick is or is he one of the cops? No, he's he's what's her face's uh, roommate's boyfriend. He's I'm gonna mess you up, man. He gets, oh, that's he, right. He, he goes one on one with the Terminator, and he doesn't really back down. He goes into berserker mode, but he gets killed pretty brutally, actually. Um, yeah, he's the one that calls up his girlfriend, leaving the dirty message on the yep. machine, remember? Mm-hmm. That's Rosovich. Now I do, yeah. And Michael Bean, Bill Paxton, Rick Rosovich, I think that's it, but all three of those guys were just in Lords of Discipline together, based on the, who's the cat, Pat Conroy novel, the autobiographical novel about his time in, um, at the military in mili- military school. So they'd all hmm. done movies together. Bill Paxton and Michael Bean have done six movies together, I believe. Those that's over now, but that's a lot. Yeah. And you don't you remember a couple of them, but you don't really remember them all. And Rosovich also showed up in Navy SEALs, so they were all three of them in that together too. But they share no scenes in the Terminator even though they're all in it together and are definitely friends in real life. Uh Terminator in brutal but almost pg way like dispatches these guys um he reaches into one of their chest and pulls out his heart basically in his hand kind of mola ram style or maybe (laughs) he doesn't pull out his heart maybe just his hands just all bloody or whatever but he's making a fist and it's it's harsh. He's just a guy. And if you, you maybe you, when you bought your ticket, you knew what you were getting into is this is a robot or whatever, but the film plays it like you, it plays it in slow reveals, which is very, very rewarding either way, which is fantastic. If you knew nothing, if your friend just said, Hey, sit down and watch this. The way you learn what he is and what all his powers are is pretty amazing. And this is the first time where he could still just be a really really strong guy or you know strung out on pcp like hendrickson's character claims he might be but it 
It's this is unusual. Uh, beating these guys up is one thing, but like putting your arm up into somebody and killing them is something else entirely. And the film's kind of rolling that out for you. Uh, now that I mean, you when you say that you know that, that uh, Daly and uh, what's his face Gibson Gibson, you know, really just viewed this as a as an exploitation, you know, violent. So what exploitation it, film all of that makes it makes so much sense well it's what it is yeah. to a large yeah. degree but of course it's it's the storytelling so much more than that and that's the that's yeah. the thing that's kind of a make because it's both it is absolutely a movie full of super violent super violence um you know car chases and and really really kind of horrific nightmarish stuff done on the cheap basically with puppets i mean there's nothing mm -hmm. that's Puppets, you got a, you know, a prosthetic head. You got all this, you know, it's 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 nothing that hadn't been done before in other movies. But Cameron learned in those Corman films, and he worked on. I would not, I don't want to say the best Roger Corman films, but he certainly worked on the best looking and that had the best special effects and the best editing of the Roger Corman films that came and just previous to this. And that's because of Cameron. He's just amazingly inventive guy. And any problem that you gave him to solve, you'd find a way to do it in this really, really mm -hmm. cool way. And that this film is loaded with that. It's super, from scene to scene to scene, it's just super ambitious. And I can't spend the whole show talking about it. I said I could spend half the show <laughs> talking about it because it's by right. far the best Terminator movie. But, and we're barely into it at all. I don't know, maybe we'll just go through the Terminator. I didn't really do a chapter list, so I don't know if I can just do that off the top of my head, but maybe... Maybe, and then we'll do the sequels yeah, later we'll or something. We'll see what happens. Thanks, everybody, while I thought that through. <laughs> well, because it wouldn't be the end of the world. I even said, well, I want to do a Terminator franchise show because, you know, let's do that. Because it's yeah. it's it's like the Jaws show. You know, it's it the these films, none of them go off the rails into absurd badness like like the Jaws sequels do eventually. But yep. There is this floundering, like everybody has their idea of what a Terminator sequel is going to be. Nobody's is anywhere, nobody even close to lives up to the premise of the thing. There's a question on the Terminator franchise as to whether it's a worthy franchise at all or whether this material is worthy of having six movies or whatever. I kind of don't think it is. You know, well, no, a, I don't. That's a weird sidestep to take when we're right in the heart of the best movie and it's just about to get really really super good but you know it's i think it's it's proven true it you can't not just anybody can show up with these robots and it'll be cool even if you make an accomplished film with cool action and stuff like what's missing from these other stories you know a big part of that is what is so awesome about this one because right. terminator 2 is beloved and i understand why but it's nowhere near as good as this movie. This this first film is has it all. It has everything, and in a stunning, stunning way. It's a, it's a it's a big time blockbuster filmmaker showing up on the scene. The way I don't remember one really doing it. You know, they all tried to act like well, John McTiernan or Rennie Harlan was the next James Cameron, but none of them were. And they tried right. to act like Cameron was the next Steven Spielberg. And he kind of wasn't, but he certainly operates on that level. And Steven Spielberg had, you know, he, he had to work his way up to this. 
Right. Well, I mean, I think about, I I mean, think, I think about our directors that can open a movie, right. You know, where you're, where the appeal of going to see that movie is it's, you you know, if you're saying, Oh, that this is directed by Steven Spielberg. Oh, okay. Then you're going to see a Steven Spielberg movie. Cameron is, is one of those for sure. Um, you know, uh, there are there are only a few where you're like, well, it's it's you know directed by this guy, so I'm going to see it. Right. Yeah, there's yeah. a handful. Ridley Scott, maybe there. Either maybe. you know, there's a list, but uh, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, James Cameron movie, even the ones that aren't like the other ones are because they are a lot alike. Actually, right. these, these this trilogy of really good movies he did in a row here, starting with this one, structurally mm-hmm. are kind of the same, and they they. They go about things in the same way, even if they're telling a different story. Right. Uh, that obviously changed with with uh, True Lies, I guess. It's maybe not even that. I don't know. Anyway, James Cameron's yeah. discography for another time, or filmography. Uh, great chase scene through that very cool Woolworths-like uh, location with Reese and the cops. And he, right. you, you see his survivability and his cleverness and when he hides, when he fights, you know, it's it, it really, really cool. Fast moving. You know, I really, really dig it. And then he shows up out on the street, goes knows to go right into the back of that cop car, take out the shotgun, tuck it under the long coat that he's picked out for himself inside the store. And he walks off into the night to what purpose? We still really don't know who either of these right. guys are or what's going on. They both shown up in a flash of blue lightning, basically, and 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 we're off to the races. The the transition then be- between this stuff and Linda Hamilton riding down the street on her scooter, going to work with that pretty piano music playing and stuff. And like I say, that that day at the office for her, she works at what big big buns something. <laughs> Big Bob's Burgers or something, and the, yeah. the nickname of the old uh, Happy Chef statue out front is is Big Buns. He's holding like two hamburgers or whatever in his hand. That's a, that's a that's a fun scene. The chaos of being a working waitress at one of these sort of low rent uh, cafe slash restaurants is it's it's fun. Her coworker makes fun of her. Meanwhile, uh, both of our both of our big Jeffs, big Jeffs, big Jeffs. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. Uh, Again, I still know all that. The whole yeah. scene where she's, uh, who you know, who ordered the burly beef? Well, I ordered the roast beef. <laughs> uh, okay, who <laughs> like she's got all the wrong stuff for the wrong customers. Mm-hmm. This is funny, funny bummer tips a glass of water over on somebody. I enjoy that scene very, very much. And then, and meanwhile, I don't remember what we see uh, Reese doing. I guess he's looking up Sarah Connors in the phone book, right? They both do that, right? That's how they that's how they zone in. So, I don't. Where would you even find a phone book these days, Joel? Uh, I mean, I will. I mean. We still get uh, they, for some they, reason they still make a yellow page. Hey, I know, and for they businesses, and you, but. yeah, yeah, and they still send them around. So they're out there. I'm just saying, if without payphones anywhere, which they're almost nowhere, 
Right. You know, and even the payphones that are out there typically don't have phone books hanging from them anymore the way they used to. It's just an interesting idea. I don't know where they mm-hmm. would. This is a really easy way to zone in on the three Sarah Connors in the upper Los Angeles area, basically. Yeah. And they both do the. They both use the same thing. And the first, unfortunately, the first one listed in the alphabetically in the phone book. There's this. Uh, well, I guess he goes and gets his guns first, doesn't he? Our Terminator. We can't skip that, right? That has Dick Smith in it. Yeah. Gun control. There you're gonna, it is. You're gonna, there's a waiting period for the handguns, he says. <laughs> Those were the days. Um, so, well, that's the, still the case. But the rest that's of these the massive yeah. killing machines, you can walk out of here with these right now if you want. <laughs> yep. Because um, uh, the idea being in the gun laws at the time that you can't conceal a giant weapon like that, so that's okay for you to buy that right away. But a handgun, you could sneak into someplace with and do real damage with. We, as we find out, they, these guns all do a lot of damage. Um, right. Yeah, so he goes and buys, and then of course he loads up the shotgun right at the right at the counter and shoots shoots the poor guy who owns yep. the owns the place. What does he say? Phased plasma rifle in the thirty watt range. <laughs> hey, <laughs> just what you see, pal. <laughs> Uzi nine millimeter. Millimeter. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> I'll take it all. Hey, I'm going to close early today. It's sad. It's That whole scene's full of irony. I feel bad for that gun shop guy. <laughs> I do. It's like... Okay. I do. It's like... what He's just he's thinking, man, this dude... You sure know your weapons, pal. Dick Smith. Plus, he's just a really good actor. from the Primarily from Joe Dante films. But he's in all kinds of B-movies. And, and what's great about Dick is that he just, again, even this role where it could be super winky if he wanted it to be, he doesn't, he plays it straight so that we're not leading to some punchline at the end of the scene. When he gets shot, it really is kind of real and horrific as it can be, you know, given this is a minor semi-obnoxious character that we don't really have our, our hearts invested in. But I, I like that scene a lot for that reason. I like that he tries to buy something that's not, that's not. That's from the future and not there. I uh-huh. think that's a nice touch. And then he rolls off, and there's that scene of the little toy in the parking or out in the out offside the sidewalk off the little uh, curb there that he that his car that he's stolen runs over. There's the great scene where he pulls Hillbilly Jim or whatever out of the <laughs> the phone yeah. booth so that he can use the phone book. Even that scene, that guy's lines. Yeah, I broke down over here. I don't. I don't care what you're doing. Come get me. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, no, you're right. There's so there, it's those little, those little elements are what help give this movie give this movie life. Hey, it uh, it, it brings Los Angeles to life. It makes yeah, it feel that, yeah. like it's populated with all these interesting and weird people. Yeah, they really are. It's fully, not just. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's not just you know, it's not just. Uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's not just, you know, I want the plasma, uh, you know, thing. And it, it's not just, well, I don't know what you're talking about. It's hey, just what you see, man. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it, it, there's a flavor to that. That is, uh, you know, that, that, that brings, that does it really brings this movie, brings this movie to life. And, you know, and, and it's like, uh, you know, whether it's, Sarah customer going, you know, um, you know, who gets the burly beef? I ordered the barbecue beat, you know, <laughs> uh, 
and just her just saying over and over who gets the burly beef and she's keeping um, a, a, and and she's not being a bitch about it she's keeping a smile on her mm-hmm. face she's trying to keep everybody happy you know trying to get a good tip and get on with her life it so yeah it's it it there's tons of voices and tons of little bits of personality spread throughout this thing. And anyone who has a semi-featured role really absolutely, they, it, the filmmakers make sure that they get the most of it. And it's, yeah. we'll talk about, there's a bunch more coming. We'll talk about them each step of the way. Um, so this, this is, this assassination. That's, we, I don't know if we want to get too into the weeds, but on home video, one thing that's changed fairly dramatically, and this is one of the places where it, it for the worse, um, Cameron, when he was given a chance to remaster this, it updated the audio on it considerably. Made a couldn't make a surround mix at the time; it was too expensive, mm-hmm. so the film was made in stereo. Um, they had to do it in a hurry, so all the gun sounds and ev- really everything was minimal. The film's action scenes are filled in with music primarily a camera and told Brad early on in the process that you're going to be responsible for the soundscape. A lot of this stuff, because we just don't have the time or the money to really fill the world with realistic sound. So, and he, Brad definitely that screeching whistly sort of sounds that he has and the big fast electronic drums that are rolling throughout those car chases. Some of the best car chases on film, I think. Um, it's really one car chase that's in two parts, but still mm-hmm. amazing. Um, so, but one thing he did was he put all these realistic sounds of these weapons in and, and, and this scene where he just comes walking up this person's how this little rambler house in the valley or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's horrific because it could be any of our houses. Like it, it's deliberately told in this way that where everything is familiar, except this weird, robot guy dressed like a just like a punk rocker you know dressed as badass looking as he can be just because just because that's who he ran across first when he showed up here in the past right um he comes walking up and the 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 woman opens the door she leaves the chain on the door which that chain's not going to stop anything and you it you know all of those thoughts you're already having those thoughts as you see this choreography laid out and he asks her if she's Sarah Connor. She says, yes, politely knocks open the door and she kind of falls over and you don't see her get all shot up, but you see him shooting. Yeah. You see POV of him raising the gun. Um, yeah. Her, her POV, which is, makes it, yeah. which, which really puts you in the action. But the gun, if you pop in the Blu-ray or you watch this on streaming today, the gun sounds like pew, 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 pew. <laughs> That's an exaggeration, but it didn't used to sound like that. It really was harsh and nasty. Yeah. It was way too high in the mix. You know, I get why Cameron wanted to fix it and make it, but this is one place where it it, it's, it lessens the impact of what the scene used to be, which is too bad. But this scene is still really, really horrific. And then back at Jeff's. Well, and then he walks away past the kid again. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, truly it's, it's, yeah, that's, it's harsh. And, and, and you just get 
whatever this thing is, it's just is obviously the that emotionlessness and all that. That this scene does a lot, a lot of work for the rest of the movie. It's a, mm-hmm. it is a cheap, horrible murder scene. So it it so you're getting the exploitation that you want, but but it but kind of not like this in this way that it's just really really harsh. At least not right. not so much at this time. Because nothing's really being telegraphed, and yet you feel everything. A lot of things in this film, even though he goes out of his way not to telegraph stuff, it's by the time this movie's about half over, everything is telegraphed because you've seen this Terminator do these things, and yeah. you just know that there's no stopping it, period. Yeah. That starts here. And the, another weird little bit that happens is Sarah... Linda Hamilton's coworker grabs her, pulls her back to the break room to show her yep. the news report of Sarah Connor being murdered in her suburban home. Yep. At like You're it's dead, some honey. kind of joke. Which it is. I mean, I, what a weird coincidence. I can see why somebody. Yeah, if you're just funny. sitting there and all of a sudden you're like, uh, Sarah Connor died, and you're, you're like, what? You're no, dead, huh? honey. You're dead, honey. Yeah. And and Linda's great in this scene. She kind of she gets why it's, it's ironic, but sort of rolls her eye at it. What a, you know, what an awful thing to be joking about, but that scene plays pretty cool. And it's important. She sees that because there's three Sarah Connors in the phone book. And when she sees the second one, there's real problems. I mean, that's her reaction to that is kind of amazing given that she has no context for what's happening. Well, that gets us to her roommate and her roommate's boyfriend. What's his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt, maybe? Matt. Matt! Matt! Yeah, of course, it's Matt. I don't know how I forgot that. Um, basically, because I forget names. It is fun that the guy who calls her up and, and you know, because they're all going out on a double date together, the guy who calls her up and says, uh, really sorry, and he, he does it really nice. That's James Cameron's voice. It's James Cameron, yeah. yeah doing a pretty decent and he does that he shows up on the radio he doesn't make cameos in his movies but he makes vo- voice cameos in them not every time but occasionally and this is the this is the this one and the and the helicopter guy in two lies are the best ones probably they're the funniest where you can kind of recognize him and it's a it's a moment where you're not that's not so intense that you can't have that there. Like he kind of picks picks the right spot, and he gives a decent light reading. This sort of, it's this guy's not a bad guy. He didn't mean to do this. He's just being kind of ineffectual about it. Um, look, mm-hmm. I'll call you. Uh, really sorry. He says he's sorry twice. You know, but you can just feel the, and you can feel that this has happened before. And her roommates. And Matt's relationship is steamy and fun, and it's everything you should get to have when you're young. You know, Rosevich is a strapping, hot young guy, <laughs> and she doesn't have that. She's got this dude who's, eh, and you know, you know, you it's just happened before. The way the roommate reacts, she's like, "Oh, that's it's that's Saturday night or whatever." She says, "It's criminal. You shouldn't let him get away with that." They also own a lizard. I don't know what the deal is with the lizard. I guess false jump yeah. scare by lizard is the at least it's not it's not a cat again that's all i can yeah. say i don't know it's yeah. kind of funny it, it that maybe that yeah, maybe that was pet. just his take is going well if we're gonna do the if we're gonna do the false scare let's make maybe it they something. had a lizard i don't know he's it's, yeah. an, it's just an iguana a lot of people had those as pets still do um they don't make great pets but they're not the worst they're they move kind of slow even when they get out which they always escape 
like they do in this movie, they're not, they don't go very far or cause much trouble or destruction. So they don't chew up your, your, uh, couch cushions or anything like that. So yeah, mm -hmm. false scare by iguana. Then she's like, well, I'm going out. I'm going to go, you know, get pizza and watch a movie or something. See you later. She, she gets, uh, she dresses down. She puts her jeans and shit back on. It's not, doesn't have to look pretty for this guy anymore. And heads out. And when she's eating a slice of pizza, it's just real tragic. She doesn't even get to eat the pizza before she sees the news. I always think that's something about that. Although it's smart. You write it in a way so you don't have to have a character eating for a bunch of takes or have a fresh slice of pizza every time. It's very clever. So they give her this great floppy piece of pizza that she kind of has to hold just right so that it won't mm -hmm. you know, completely fall apart. And she's about to take a bite out of it when the news reports another death of another Sarah Connor. And the, and the guy behind the bar is about to change the channel. And she's like, no, 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 no. So it's one yeah. of those things. And now she's scared. Somebody's out there. They're out there killing us. Killing what Sarah is happening? Connors, yeah. She goes to the, the again, the payphone. And the payphone, she kind of tick, 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 tick. And the payphone's out of order, so... This whole sequence is just really, really fantastic. Yeah, you know, is... you know what, uh, you know, what we missed though. Hmm. We missed uh, 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 Reese's first sort of dream flashbacky. Oh, yeah. Flash we? Yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. Which is the other place yeah. where the sound really, the new sound really betrays the movie. Mm. Yeah, he, he, he. We see him do the he... phone book business, and then we see him basically stealing a car, and he gets to sit down in the car for a second. He hasn't had a moment of rest right and he, he's stealing a car and this is very clever right outside a construction site they don't usually do construction work like this at night but whatever we'll we'll look the other way on that there's these cranes and stuff and tractors and things like right next to him on the other side of this chain link fence when he's ripping off this car and he kind of lays his head back and those sounds take him back yeah to uh uh, the first of a couple of flashbacks. And this is the one yep. where they're out sabotaging hunter killers and his, and his friend dies. Right. Yep. Yeah. Him and this, uh, girl, they're, they're, you know, about his age, they're, they're got these little bombs and they're out there taking out these tanks and stuff. But one of the flying ones finds them and it's a fantastic future. Again, the future that you see the sort of tractor, what are those things called on tanks? The tractor, the treads, the treads, the, the, you know, moving the, yeah. and that sort of dissolves into the future things. And as you pan down, you realize the, the treads are rolling over a bunch of skulls. It's a little on the nuts, but for these brief appearances that the future war makes in this film, it's really ambitious that there are any of them. So I appreciate you pointing this one out. Um, and they're just really, really well done. He gets into a, he, he he loses his friend, the hunter killer from the skies, or the the one they blow up sort of gets it before it blows up, mm -hmm. and then it's a car chase. It's like a, one of these jet things shooting him down with laser weapons, and they've got this car with a big machine gun mounted on the back of it, and they're fighting it. The car yeah. flips over, and the car starts on fire, and he's sort of lying in the car with the fire getting closer to him, and he starts to scream, and boom, he he wakes up and this, this wake up is so powerful. He sits straight up in the car and he's got the shotgun. He, he cuts the shotgun. It's like, 
yep. ready, ready to go. You know, the, 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 just the, the way this guy is made by a future of this kind, it's played with such power and consistency by Michael Bean. This is such a good performance by him. And it and and this is a character that they've tried to bring back again and again and again, and it just they've never even tried to do it like this. This guy, right. he's this big bundle of wounds and nerves and nightmares, and yeah, and that's what he is, and that's every movie makes, every eye twitch that he does. It's every bit as nuanced a performance from that standpoint as the the Terminator is. He almost didn't get the part they really really liked him they liked his tape he'd been in a couple of movies he'd been in a bunch of movies up to this point but nothing really big but they liked him and he's uh michael bean was he didn't really grow up there he grew up in california but he was born in in anniston alabama and he was did his reading with a southern accent (laughs) right and they called his agent and said hey uh, he, he's in contention. I mean, he's really, really great. We'd like to have him back, but can you ask him, can he lose the Southern accent? She's like, what Southern accent? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, he pretty much did the whole thing in a Southern accent. And, and he had, he had another audition that day or was working on some workshop of cat on a hot tin roof and just came with that without thinking about it, which is, yeah, can happen to you. I mean, you know, so, so she said, yes, you know, she was, what was she going to say? Sure. You want him to what? You want him to shave his head? You want him to be pregnant? He'll do whatever. So they right. sent him back without the Southern accent and he got the role. And that's a relationship that's paid dividends for both parties throughout all these films. But it's just so good in this. And it's easy to forget how good he is because, because Linda is such a revelation. She truly is. Mm-hmm. And because the Terminator is such a force to be reckoned with. And the film make sure that this guy as awesome as he is and Kyle Reese is as awesome as they get. Uh, and he does some really amazing stuff in this film. It's not enough to stop this thing. She has to stop it in the end. That's fantastic writing. It's really, really makes the thing sing that she becomes the thing she's prophesized to be. Um, and out of necessity, out of circumstances that feel very, very real. But it, because of all that, and I wouldn't change a, a thing involved with that story arc, you just forget how really cool a character and a cool, uh, amazing a performance this is because he's, yeah, he is on the spot. And this sequence, this future war sequence where it's all by the numbers until it isn't, and the, him waking from this nightmare. And just quickly shaking it off and driving quietly into the night. Yeah, that's a scene yeah. we should not have skipped. It's fantastic. Everything about it is fantastic. So cool. Right. So back in the pizza place, uh, the phone's out of order, of course. That's bad luck all around. The They're giving a phone number to call, you know, if you know anything about these crimes. So she's trying to call that number. We meet... Paul Winfield and Lance Hendrickson's characters, a couple of detectives, detective sergeant and other detective, detective lieutenant, maybe head of detectives for this particular precinct. And they're, they're shit with the cigarettes and the coffee mugs and the, the whole they've Mm -hmm. it's, it's uh, too busy, honestly, but uh, you know, and I don't know how much of it scripted and how much of it is this, these guys 
playing around and trying to just fill these scenes with stuff. But they are truly, truly filled with stuff. And it's fun because they're, they are, until they aren't, they're comic relief characters. And Winfield and Henriksen are both absolutely more than capable of doing that, of giving you the clown show for fun. And then when things get serious, being believable and stuff. So they do a really, really nice job of, of that, that I really, really dig. They're, it's a little, it's cheesy, but I like it. That's just what this movie needs. It doesn't have a lot of that. It needs the iguana to escape, you know what I mean? I mean, it needs a few of these little mm-hmm. mini side adventures to not just be a relentless thing as relentless as it is and it is it you can't the whole movie can't be that or you'd be you wouldn't relate to it as much as you want to and i think that's a really important part of it so she's out walking on the street and and somehow uh reese is out there following her he spotted her and he's sort of walking and she sees him and thinks somebody's following me which someone is so she's called that right and she ducks into this uh, dance club, Tech Noir, with some great, uh, I've talked about, you got to go way, way back, but I've talked about Tawny Kane on the show before. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't even remember why, but she and her husband at the time, Jonathan Kane, the keyboard player for Journey, wrote three great songs for the Terminator that all play in this club. It's weird that the club would play three songs in a row that we don't know and that are by the same artist, but that's a different issue. Um, <laughs> they're Pat Benatar sounding tunes, you know. It's like yes, a poor person's Pat Benatar. That's what the they were going for, and that is what those guys delivered. So that's that's pretty fun. I remember the two of them. One of them's called Photoplay. The other one's called uh, You Got Me Burning, Burning in the Third Degree, I think it's called. And I can't remember. Wow. I can't remember the other one. Those are good songs. I mean, Jonathan Cain, you know, he was between Journey albums at this point. He was between Frontiers and Raised on Radio. He'd written a bunch of hit songs. He wrote op- Open Arms and stuff, so he knew what he was doing. He he probably shouldn't have gotten married to Tawny Cain. That divorce was not a happy one, but whatever. <laughs> also, I'll, I'll just repeat, because I think it's funny. I had that album when I was younger, uh, not the Terminator album, but the, her album that came out the year before. And I always thought, I thought for decades that her name was Tane Kane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tane Kane. It's Tawny. But, you know, I, if you don't put yeah. that little thing on there, or even if you did yep. and you're only 12, it's hard to, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's good. Tawny Kane, if you want to look up a song of hers, um, the, the Terminator ones are a good place to start. They're re- really, really good faux Benatar. So, that said, we get another little minor performance here. The chick <laughs> giving out the, giving out the, taking the change and giving out the tickets to come into this place because you got to pay a cover to get in, even though she's, mm-hmm. she's, our hero's just trying to listen, just trying to use the phone. It's the only reason she's here. But that, that punk girl behind the, behind the cage with the quarters all laid out to give people change since it's, what is it? Four fifty. Four fifty. Four fifty. Yep. It's not five dollars. You gotta have. <laughs> nope. You gotta have quarters. Gotta get fifty cents back. Yeah. The whole. Th- I mean, that's a thing that I remember seeing at amusement parks or wherever. You know, all the quarters on the counter, and you get them. Get the two quarters slid to you, if you don't have exact change. Very cool. And she's just got attitude and stuff. Hey, four fifty. <laughs> that's awesome. That's an awesome side character. And then yep. all these poor uh, white people trying to dance in this club. 
that's how it was. So I'm not going to, you know, but it is weird. When you go back and look at it, it's like, wow, they danced really, really bad. But I guess that's how it was in 1984. They dressed terribly as well. Mm -hmm. But that's captured on film. This really is a dirty, grimy, Pico Boulevard, you know, Los Angeles sort of. uh, It's not that grimy, but grimy enough for the effect to come across. So she gets on the phone, but of course she calls, uh, calls the number and gets transferred all over the place and stuff. And finally gets Paul Winfield on the phone, the cop in charge of the case. And he says, oh, look, stay there. Whatever you do, you'll be safe. There's people everywhere. Don't go anywhere. Don't even go to the restroom. We'll come down. We'll send a squad car down to get you. Cause you, they are all aware that they're in danger. They, the Sarah Connors are getting killed and they're getting killed in the order they appear in the phone book. This has all been put together and it's even on the news. Which, uh, that's a questionable yeah. choice. But he puts it on the news. Let's let these bastards work for us for a change. I kind of like that a little bit. Yep. And Man, she does. I, hate, I yeah. hate press cases. Especially yeah. the weird press cases. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's great. That's great stuff. Uh... So she goes and sits down, and the song the song's still playing, but the, the dancing is in slow motion. Everything gets really dreamlike. She sort of lo- the Terminator is shown up in here. He doesn't pay his four fifty. They stick the bouncer on him, and he crushes his hand. Yep. And it's all happening in this in this sequence. This is the best sequence in the whole movie. This is it. I mean, for Terminator, it's it's kind of in slow motion. The frame rate is weird. It's it is slow motion, but it's. It's this mix of stuff. Like he doesn't. It's not just a like a Zack Snyder slow motion action sequence at all. It's it, it's yeah. this brilliant, like worthy of Hitchcock build of tension, where she, uh, Sarah Connor spots Kyle Reese sort of sitting at the bar, and she recognizes him from out on the street. He's followed her in here. She's terrified and doesn't know what to do, but she's kind of frozen in place. Uh, Schwarzenegger, who we already know is a killer, he's walking through the things, just stalking, not letting really anything get in his way. These bodies moving around are sort of parting naturally for him almost, even though they're crazily unaware of him. Um, he gets up with the that same pistol we saw him assassinate that other woman in her own home with, and it's got a laser sight on it, and he aims it right at her, right at Sarah's forehead as she looks up with these helpless puppy eyes and slow motion. It's just, and you're just like, and, um, and soldier boy to the rescue, the shotgun, boom, 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 hits him like six times. It doesn't even knock him down. Uh, it's stunning. Then he's got the Uzi with him. So he turns around and just starts firing into the crowd at this place. There's tons of awful collateral damage in this. I always, you know, I used to, when I was a kid, I'm like, Ooh, I would want to be the guy or I would want to be Chewbacca or whatever. And nowadays when I watch a movie, I'm like, I'm that guy that the monster steps on, you know, that's who I identify with when I watch these movies. So this was a harsh and incredibly violent scene to see as a kid in the mid eighties, but it, it, it still retains that because of the the randomness of it. Because of, I think I guess because of the shootings that are in our world, you know, I don't really want to bring those into this. But this is a guy with this ar- this weapon in a crowded room. It, it, people hmm? 
People don't have any chance. Lots of people, most people survive, but the people who don't, it's harsh and cold and random as to what you're doing at any given time that you get hit with these stray bullets. And it's just terrifying because of that. Reese right. is diving behind the bar. There's all this glass to get shot up. That's always great. Glass falling on the hero. The Terminator ch chasing after Sarah, who's trying to get out of the bar down this little exit-only tunnel that they're running down. And he's coming at her. And again, he almost has her again. And and Reese shows up and he plugs him full of... Uh, shotgun shells again, and he still, he, he, this time at least he goes down with his eyes closed and everything. We think maybe he got him, but he didn't get him. His eyes right. open up, he sits his head up, he lifts up all those mechanical Terminator moves that Schwarzenegger worked out. Um, and then the line that killed the rest of the franchise, but is the greatest thing ever in the history of movies, where he reaches out his hand to her and he says, come with me if you want to live. And it has all the meaning in the world behind it. Yep. And sh what can she do? What what she can't even process what she's seen. We barely can, and we've been given the whole movie up to this point to get what's going on. Um, they run out into the alley. They get in a car. The there's this. He kind of runs and jumps on the car. There's this whole thing in the alley. Plus, eventually, like cops are everywhere, and he's got to outrun the cops and the Terminator. It's it's amazing stuff. I won't go into all the details of yeah. all the chase scenes because I I don't know there's much value in that. But it, it's it's amazing stuff. I love I particularly love Reese aiming for the gas underneath the one car to ha cause an explosion in this alley to help slow the thing down. Everything he's doing is tactical and smart and is the best stuff. And he's the best shot. And he's a super soldier. And he's everything you could want if you needed somebody to protect you in. Yep. It, the movie's just proving with each passing second how that it's not going to be good enough. Um, fantastic sequence. And they're driving down the street. Is this and this is the sequence where he's he, you know, there's some breaks in this chase before first it's the Terminator, then it's the cops, then he loses the cops, then the before the Terminator reengages with him, he just starts explaining it to her, and he explains yep. it to her like a soldier. This is what's happening. It's not a man. It's a Terminator. It's yep. and he knows the model number and he knows everything. It's a you know hydrocarbon uh, combat chassis surrounded by human tissue. It's like it's a robot. No, it's a cyborg. Yep. Bread. Bread. Cybernetic for organism. Cyber. Yeah. It's she explains it all to him, and that scene is fantastic. And uh, what does she do? She bites his hand. She's the first of our heroes to bite Michael Bean in the hand <laughs> in his next three appearances. It's a, it's a motif. I'm not sure why. I think it started as a coincidence. And then when they got to the third movie, they're like, well, somebody's got to bite him in the hand, right? Or he, or he reminded somebody <laughs> that somebody has to bite him in the hand. Yeah. So it uh, starts with Linda Hamilton, then Carrie Henn bites him in the hand, and then uh, Ed Harris bites him in the hand in the abyss. Uh, to great effect works gets him free for a second mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't work here <laughs> yeah she bites him in the hand and he's Gah! terminators don't feel pain I do don't do that again <laughs> 
obviously she can't believe what she's hearing. This is, you know, this is, there's a balancing act. Every movie like this, where something fantastical is happening, some character is telling you what it is and you can't believe it. How long are you not going to believe it? What's the balance of that? You know what I mean? How, how much does your impending doom or your needs in the moment keep you from rolling with somebody who's saying a bunch of insane stuff? Yep. Uh, all, all that is, again, it's hit perfectly when she starts to believe, how could she not, when the Terminator comes back and is fighting with her and she's driving, they do this great, one of the best you drive and they switch places in all of films. Cause it's hard. To yeah, believe. Yeah. It's always hard to believe they could just do that while they're driving and they're going really fast and you believe it. And he's shooting and shooting and shooting and they collide into a big side of a wall or a building and i i like this segment um you know where he it's right after she bites his hand and and he's like and he's like you know uh the the terminator right it, when they it, switch it cars can't be reasoned it can't be reasoned it can't be bargained it's never gonna stop until you are dead it's never gonna ever. stop it's not ever ever and then and then she just goes can dead. you stop it and he goes can you stop it and he's like Maybe, uh, maybe with these, with these with weapons, these weapons I, don't I don't know. Yeah. And I, you know, it's like, to me, that's, that's, that's the movie because it's like, well, I'm here to stop it. I'm here to save you. I don't know if I can do it. There's an underlying thing here. That's weird. It's because of the circumstances. It's not because of some sort of modern way of thinking, but it's very important that in his dream that we saw him fighting with a woman, I think. It's a woman mm-hmm. that's his partner that he's out fighting with. She asks him later, what are the woman, women like in your time? She, it's sort of a loaded blind date question at that point. But right. he, Reese, even though he bosses her around and gets what he needs out of her in each of the moments in these crazy sequences, but he treats her with complete respect. He tells her the whole thing. When she has an idea, he listens to it. And, and if it's a good one, he does it. Right. Um, he, he is before any thoughts uh, or any twinkle is in anybody's eye. He's the best guy she's been around in a long time. <laughs> that's, that's a subtext. That's not a super important one in the movie, but we've set her up as being sort of mistreated by these guys and, and not believing in herself. And, and it's, it's a tragic thing that happens to her as he says, she says in future things, you know, I've been there before and this sucks being the Madonna for the savior of the human race. Like who wants that? Yeah. But she's nobody. And this movie, she becomes somebody, she becomes somebody important. She becomes the most important living person on the planet for a a time. That's to see her, not just accept that, but to grow into it is amazing. And a big part of that is, he and part of it is he's in a real tragic way he's been conditioned to uh to respect and believe in her as a messianic figure before he even meets her so you know that's what the other flashback scene shows which have we we don't we don't we flashback that after this escape sequence so we'll mm-hmm. we'll get to that one but that's a great one too anyway thank you Joel, that scene, that scene's the best scene. There's a great scene between these two that was cut from the movie, but that's pretty much the best scene in the movie is when they're tra- changing cars. He's hot wire in the car and she's starting to question and starting to buy into this. 
you shot him. How could he still be alive? I mean, it's just insanity. Yeah. It's impossible. There's also the great scene where where, uh, <laughs> where 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 the Terminator steals the cop car, <laughs> and 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 in that really creepy way imitates that guy's voice. Yeah. Um, the cop is William Wisher. William Wisher was the star of James Cameron's first short film. He wrote the script to Terminator Two. He wrote the script to Eaters of the Dead. He's a very talented filmmaker in his own right. Um, and he was the first guy to ever ride a mechanical loader in a James Cameron movie. I can't remember the name of that movie, but I have it somewhere here in my collection. Um, just stunning, stunning short film, actually. You see kind of everything that was ever going to be in every Cameron film in this little 10, 11 minute thing. Oh, really? That's, it's incredible. I mean, you just see the germination of all these different visual and mechanical ideas that he has. Um, and William Wisher, hey, what, ah, <laughs> <laughs> is perfect. That's all I can say. And we hear him talking in a normal voice so that when the Terminator pulls the radio up to his mouth, it's like, bah, 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 and he imitates his voice like, kind of perfectly. Obviously, it's, we're still hearing William's voice, but it, right. it is creepy and weird. And it's like, oh my God, I can do that too. It's one of those, you know, fun bits. And of course it becomes much more sinister that vocal imitation later in the film so establishing it here is is fun and it's fun that the cop doesn't get killed he just gets smushed he just gets his head banged into his car and then discarded um and it's not because the terminator's having mercy on him it's because the terminator's just being efficient it's not necessary after the thump 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 it's not necessary that he plugged the guy full of holes and he's passed out on the sidewalk that's a fun sequence. And then now the cop car is chasing. At first they think it's the cops, then they realize it's the Terminator, then they're shooting at it, and then they hit the wall. Two mm -hmm. really, really killer car chases. They're both pretty brief, but they're really, really good, and you really feel, and I think this is the big thing, you're really in the middle of the city, and you really feel like they're going fast. You feel like they are flying when they're driving those cars. And I don't, the speed of the thing is just, it just feels real. It feels like, how could they be faking it? And because they aren't faking it is why it's, a, it's incredible. Um, the cops all show up. It's a huge cop chase now. I mean, it's what every cop who's been in earshot of this business has joined in on this. And, uh, they're all coming at him. and Reese grabs the shotgun. He's about to go out there and fight him, And, and it's, Sarah that convinces them no, they'll kill yeah, you. No. you. You'll be dead. Uh they'll they'll kill you. You can't. And so he's he realizes she's right and he gives himself up. And then they go up to the smushed cop car, the other cops, looking for the guy who is driving it who must surely be dead. That car just got crushed. And there's right. the, the door is just Nobody hanging a little bit yeah. and there's no one even there. Uh we learn later that there's no real reason for the Terminator to slink off here. I mean, he's got his reasons, and the movie gives him reasons, but the Terminator's become such an unstoppable thing in these sequels and other things that this, however, whatever this is, these ten cops are not going to stop him from getting his prey in the scene. But, right. but it gives us a chance in the movie to take a breath, so I'm down with it. And Well, and he, it, gives us, it gives us the greatest character in the entire franchise. Uh, oh, Dr. Silberman? Dr. Silberman, yeah. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I loved I love Dr. Silverman. He's such a sleaze. He's such a schmo. I, I just love him. He's great. Oh, he's you, great. You could show uh, us one of your ray guns. Earl, <laughs> Earl Bowen. Something. 
<laughs> and Han- Henriksen's reaction, <laughs> Rick. He's all laughing yeah. at. Um, I love this guy, Silverman. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he uh, Cameron worked with Earl Bowen. He played one of these weird binary guys, all painted in white, in Battle Beyond the Stars, which was a film Cameron worked on. And that's how they met, and so that's how he appears here. It's the connection. He was in one of those Corman films, and yeah, his it's his everything <laughs> he does is is yep. it's just fantastic. Um, and he's got to sell some important exposition to us, which he does with Glee, which is that whole yeah. Let's just see how it isn't this most most paranoid delusions are intricate, but this guy's brilliant. Doesn't require a shred of proof. Well, why didn't you bring the ray gun with you? Yeah, that's the best one. You it's like it's a good. Yep. That's a good question, isn't it? I you can't. Nothing. Nothing dead goes through. Dead goes through. He goes. Well, you said that the Terminator went through each. Yes, the Terminator surrounded by living tissue. That this is another great Michael Bean moment where he's like, where he turns to the camera because he kind of gets what's going on. Yeah. He. At, yeah. And he gives that speech that's so harsh, and they got to. It's. It, He'll reach down her throat and rip her and heart out of her chest. Let's turn this off. And he turns around and goes, sorry. In classic Silberman. Yeah, he because he he's like, I I didn't build it. I didn't build the effing thing. Okay, okay, okay. Look. Yeah, he's like, well, I'm not in charge of that. He's like, well, who's in who's in charge? Look, I've answered your questions. That's a, it's fantastic. It's all seen on video, so we're watching. It's already happened. But yeah. the interrogation, the examination by Dr. Silverman of Kyle Reese is fantastic. And yeah. then it's followed immediately by this litany of, of course, we can't believe it, but even she has a tough time believing it. This why, how this guy could have been shot this many times. You know, here's a bulletproof vest. Um, what drugs he could be on when he punched a hole through the windshield and while well, mm-hmm. he was on fire or whatever. <laughs> it's insane. Um, how all this was... Po- and that's... Hendrix is great. Yeah, he probably, uh, you know, broke every bone in his hand. He wouldn't feel it for a day. Um, there was this guy once. You see the scar? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he always has a story. He's like, oh, last week he had this guy who lit his Afghan on fire, had yeah. sex with it first or whatever. <laughs> oh, my God. He's. I don't even remember that character's so name. But it's all of the all of the noise happening in these cop scenes. It's just fantastic. Vukovich. In yeah. the meantime, we've got some eye surgery, right, Joel? That's your favorite part of these films. It, it's it's good stuff. It it's really uh, I mean, where he's unironically, uh, yeah. it's really good stuff. Stan Winston. You can tell it's not Schwarzenegger. You can tell it's just a mold of his face, but. But it's it, mm-hmm. for this kind of movie with this budget, with what they had, and with all the moving pieces, and I mean, it's really, really amazing stuff for a low-budget film of this era. Mm-hmm. He's got his eye has gotten all wrecked, and he needs to pluck it out. And of course, he can't be walking around with a glowing red robot eye. So he—that's when the iconic shades mm-hmm. go on. But it's not just the shades going on. It's the fact that he puts the shades on and then just goes. Yeah, checks himself out. Yeah. <laughs> and then walk and then yeah. It's like that that yeah. That's uh, that's so yeah, good. It's really really cool. <laughs> I won't argue guess, with yeah. you there. It's a very cool Terminator moment. Just you know, wanna. I mean, he's 
it's it's this moment of vanity, and you feel that, but that of course isn't what it is. He's trying to make sure he can still go out there and not yep. be recognized and not run into any trouble. But it has this cockiness to it. That Joel's absolutely right about that. Is it's, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's really fantastic. It's and for really those good. of you in Radio Land who couldn't see Joel's puffing up his oh hair yeah, the adjusting of the hair, the little poof, the you know adjust his it, little that, spiky it, hair. That's a very very good impression oh, of exactly so what good. he does. Yeah. yeah. It's really strong stuff. So, and then uh, maybe the the most infamous scene in the movie probably is is about to arrive where uh, the Terminator shows up at this police precinct. Right as Dr. Silverman's walking out, good God, that guy's got a lucky horseshoe in his pocket. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's right. Stops briefly to check his beeper right as, right as Terminator's passing him so he doesn't see him. And then just disappears out the precinct. Um, Winfield's character, Lieutenant, whatever, I can't remember his name. Uh, he, uh, he, uh, one of them is, yeah, uh, he's Traxler. Lieutenant Traxler and uh, the other guy is... Um, Vukovic. Vukovic, of course he is. Um, yeah. He he is a Vukovic, isn't he? He really is. He's, he's doing uh, Polish-Americans yeah, the... proud, Lance Hendrickson, in this film. <laughs> um so he I mean that unironically, I think he really is. He's fantastic mm-hmm. in it. Um he's setting Sarah up with a couch and a blanket where she can rest. She's had quite the night. And he's saying, Hey, what does he say? Hey, there's like seventy cops in this building or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> You're there are, 30, there are thirty cops in this building. This is yeah, the safest I... place for you to be. Um and then and then more iconography where he comes walking up to the desk sergeant who's filling out his forms and it's great i don't know why they bother with all this but this it just helps each little bit this desk sergeant is very meticulously filling out these forms i don't know why we need to see that he's that way but somehow it makes this work even better than it would if he's just some generic guy so it's another one of those performances where he's like yeah she's giving her state he comes up he goes i'm here to see sarah connor i'm a friend of sarah connor he's like yeah she's giving a statement if you want to wait you can wait over there and he sort of looks and he looks up he's obviously he's checking out where all the load-bearing structures are and everything we 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 know that after the fact but you almost know Mm -hmm. it now his weird looking up and surveying the entire room and then the leaning forward and i'll be back and cameron said he knew that would be a funny line, you know, people return to the movie or whatever, but he had, but he had no idea that everything he'd done up into the movie to this point made us already know how loaded a phrase that that was when he says it. Um, and of course they, it's such a signature thing that they put it in. It's in, in running man. It's in rod deal. It's in, commando i mean it's what it's arnold became arnold's uh, it's one of our it's arnold's thing yeah yeah it became his signature thing and and it's used to mostly lesser degrees and all of them including future terminators but here you just know what he means i mean it's incredible and of course two seconds later the guy's back to checking his boxes crossing his t's dotting his eyes and that car comes driving in crushes the whole wall crushes the whole little front kiosk thing back into the dude he gets out of the car he's got his weapons are hanging from him and he just takes out this entire precinct one by one and and of course uh we don't see reese's reaction to it but we see sarah as she hears the gunfire 
Um, and the chaos breaking out, and she knows what's happening immediately. She knows this thing has come for her and doesn't know what to do about it. And it just she just shoots up the place. I don't know what to say. They start breaking out. They got a they got a, a locker full of M16s. They try and break out to discourage him and nothing slows him down or stops him. Not shotguns, certainly not these little handguns that they're walking around the office with. Um the great moment where the terminator cuts the electricity off or whatever. It just his I love the little scenes like that where he just opens up the thing, it surveys, you know, we eventually see Terminator Vision and what he's actually, the multiple choice sort of life this thing leads where it's given all these options mm -hmm. and then it chooses which thing to do. Um, we, in fact, we see that here where it gives him the little, this goes here, this goes there, if you do that, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be good and he breaks the power in it by pulling out the, the feed and then jamming it into the little control box. It's very cool person couldn't do it and it's that that's why it's otherworldly and scary and uh we don't see it's a little strange um both Traxler and Vukovic get shot up in this presumably killed but we need we don't see the bullets land in either of them that's a weird choice by the director I have to say yeah uh, maybe not one of them maybe only one is all you need you do sort of see Traxler get shot and slip down out of sight so I guess that's it but Vukovic comes around with one of those M16s and he does not take cover and and Terminator turns around with both of his guns and for a it's a minor character but it's still a character in the thing to kind of not see what happens I guess we don't need to see it maybe you just don't want to see Vukovic get all shut up he's so funny and fun yeah. Yeah. It's just odd. The movie doesn't pull a lot of punches in terms of gun violence. You know? So so there's I feel like there's gotta be some other reason why we're not seeing that. Or maybe they shot it and it didn't look good and you just don't need to see it. Him blah, 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 with both machine guns in both hands like they're, you know, like he's a cowboy or something is enough. You know there's no way that it uh Traxler might recover you know there's no way that that other guy does and all the other cops the way their bodies sort of react to this gunfire it's 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 kind of amazing it's i don't remember i mean i'm sure there are shootouts like this but i i don't remember you know the way the guns just shoot through the desks and shoot through the walls and i mean that you, you can't hide from it at all and these guys mm -hmm. are all qualified they all got their shooting range certificates and stuff and they're all hitting him and they're just nothing's even slowing him down it, it really is relentless and terrifying uh there's that scary moment where the door on the room sarah's locked in starts turning and the window mm -hmm. breaks and it turns out it's not the terminator it's reese and they escape yep. together in the worst escape car of all of movies this american motors just utter piece of garbage <laughs> No good. Maybe maybe there's a worse one in the sequel. We'll get to that. But either way, <laughs> they, they get out. They 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 get out of Dodge basically while he's still doing all this stuff, and and they're very very fortunate to lose track of him. There is a little shooting between them, but they get in the car and get out quick. Um, largest manhunt in the history of Southern California results as we hear on the yep. news the next morning. You believe it. You know, you believe it. And that's, again, that's the power of the Terminator. You believe all of this stuff. In the moment, you really believe it. Because it, it's just played with, with, it's, I can't say there's not style to it, because there is, but it's just played with such 
you know, kind of realism, the real reality, the awful reality of what this would be if it could be possible. That's kind of movie magic right there. So they um, they hide under this little uh, sort of like a drainage bridge. They go under the bridge and hide out there to try and get some mm-hmm. rest. Um, they huddle together for warmth. That's a nice little bit of intimacy. <laughs> That's a bit of a cliche, but it works. It actually works earnestly in the film. He gives mm-hmm. her his uh, his coat, and he you know now he's sleeveless or whatever, and they're chilly. And she notices when she rubs up against him, she's bleeding. He goes, oh, yeah, yep. I caught one back there. I caught one back there. <laughs> and she's like, what? Yep. Wow, what are you, t- you, you got shot? What are you talking about? He's like, it's, don't worry about it. It's not bad. And uh, she actually makes a little bandage for him and stuff. What does he say? It's not a bad field dressing is what he calls yeah. it. Yeah. And she goes, do you like it? It's my first. That's a really cool exchange. And then they sort of mm-hmm. both fall asleep. And and we get this this other dream, the dream of the Terminators. Yeah. Um, that is brought on again. It's brought on by external things. This particular dream. I, I mean, he probably dreams every time he closes his eyes about this horrible stuff. But this these dreams aren't dreams; they're memories. So that's a bit of a cheat. And they're brought on by external stuff, by the tractors. Before this time, it's brought on by the dogs that are barking at some house nearby or in some kennel somewhere. Yeah. Um, the dogs, they keep dogs tied up outside their little hovels that they live in underground because the dogs feel the Terminators coming and they don't like them and they bark at them. And so it's a bit of a warning system for, it's their canary in the coal mine. Yeah, yeah. And this system of him coming home from a day out fighting the machines and, and that weird scene where they, they look like they're watching TV, but they actually have a fire inside a hollowed out TV and the kid pretending to shoot at him and his sort of pretending to shoot back with his oh actual gun. But he... <laughs> that, I remember as a kid watching that going, and he's like, pew, 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 pew. And, he's, and we were he goes, just like, oh my God, he could... It looked like... Yeah, but he... Watch it. Watch it again. He doesn't... Yeah. He, he he barely lifts the yeah. thing. So that he's playing it, it, along, but that he's not aiming a real gun at a kid. Yeah. It's yeah, really yeah. nicely done, actually, and, and realized. And, of course, he kind of finds a spot to sit down in the hallway and get some Zs when a Terminator shows up and starts blowing everything up. And and uh, and what's he yep. doing? He's looking at her picture. He has a picture of her. That's kind of neat. Indeed he does. He has the a picture. He has a picture of... Are of Linda Hamilton in this little, uh, I don't know what little sleeve, little like baseball card sleeve. And, um, he's just kind of staring at it and he actually loses the picture in this fight. It, it melts in the fire. It melts. Yeah. Which you could tell it's something precious. He keeps it inside a little zipper thing inside a little thing inside his jacket. So it's, it's like tucked away and well protected as it can be. And, of course, eventually this dream goes bad, too. People are dying. He's kind of trapped and stuck, and and we don't know how he gets out of it because he wakes up. Um, and she says, I dreamt of dogs. And he's like, yeah, we use them to spot Terminators. I will mention there's a great deleted scene. I don't know where you can really find it anymore. It's not on all video releases, but MGM through Studio Canal did a very cool Terminator release that had a, it was a flip disc. So on one side you had Mm -hmm. the Terminator and on the other side you had this current day, which was around 2004 ish 
like them looking back on the Terminator and it had yeah, deleted yeah. scenes in it and a bunch of other stuff. Um, and the best deleted scene from the Terminator by far is the scene where they, he wakes up and it's, they come out from underneath this thing and it's, it's, it's green and there's trees everywhere and it's daylight. And we haven't seen like a, like an outside world like this. We just haven't seen this yet. And he, she's kind of talking to him and he gets super overwhelmed by it. None of this here. Mm -hmm. It's all gone. You don't understand how, how miraculous this is. And he kind of breaks down. It's really, really wonderful. I, I get why they got rid of it. But it has a really important bit of Terminator lore in it, which is he he has this message for her from the future. Well, that's something. Mm-hmm. I mean, man. And he delivers it to her. This is from, he explains to her, you know, it's your son. He explains to her the night before. So I kind of skipped, buried the lead and all their cuddling and the gunshot wound. But he tells her, the reason this is happening to you, because she says, why me? What did I do? I didn't do anything. He's like, no, you gave birth to the guy that saved us all. And the next morning he gives her this message and this is the message. This is the scene also has the, um, this has the, there's no fate, but what we make statement in it, which isn't actually in the Terminator. They treat it in sequels like he said it, but we never actually see him say that to her, which is weird. So this scene was cut. It's great scene, but it, Mm -hmm. I would put it back in because I will always want to put everything back in, but I, I do get why you cut stuff. In fact, there getting along and they actually have a lighter moment here and that's kind of neat and fun terminator goes back to his apartment this time the landlords doesn't like the smells <laughs> that are coming from there yeah and uh and he got a like, dead cat in there yeah yeah and then we get to see the all the little options and beep, 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 beep. the thing that mm. lights up is f you asshole <laughs> yep and the guy's like yeah, yeah, that, that, that tracks yep the hotel manager or wherever he is. Um, again, it's a fun, it's a stupid performance, but it's a fun performance. What's that guy going to do with that with his cigar and everything? I mean, it's, 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 it's great. It works good. Mm-hmm. So what happens next? They go find a place to hide out. They've lost the Terminator, yep. but they want to be prepared for his next appearance because he's going to track them down somehow. Mm-hmm. So they go to a hotel and he, he's, he's like, uh, need, need one with a kitchen. Yeah, and she's like, do you have kitchen. one with a kitchen? So they show up. Sure enough, they do. And he goes, uh, he goes, sh- he goes shopping. Well, she does something really awful. She calls her mom. Correct. In the mountains, at the mountain home, at the cabin in the mountains, and uh, Terminator's already there because he picked up her address book basically from her apartment when he killed her roommate and her. And her boyfriend, which I kind of skipped that scene too, but I kind of didn't. That scene. No, we that, talked about yeah, it. Yeah, that scene's in As soon as you said, I'm like, as soon as you corrected me uh, on, on the Rick Rossovich Rossovich thing, I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember him and the tidy whiteys fighting him and getting It's not tidy whiteys. Like they're mirror. way 84 fancier than that. He's into the designer yeah. stuff. Oh, but yeah, it, he's in the, like the bikini briefs. Yeah, <laughs> that's correct. But it, but it's. <laughs> Whatever he can pull it off, I would look yep. like an absolute. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, but I, uh, but Rick's Rick's built. He's picked for this role because of his charm, which he definitely oozes like uh, captain of the football team charm. There's no question about yep. that. That's in every movie he's in. But he's also really well put together, dude. Yeah, and they do, do don't they do they do do like a Terminator fake out thing 
uh, jump scare thing when yeah Sarah when she's opens leaving the door to go to the pizza like, place he's standing yeah, and right he's there. standing in the doorway yeah it's a little little fake that's where too. Matt comes in Matt yeah yeah that's good so that's all good that's a nice journey back in time in the Terminator and where, where we anyway, were a while well, ago but hey, anyway this heading. is the this is other than that horrible thing with the Terminator imitating her mother's voice over the phone and the smoke in the background. You just know this woman's been obliterated yep. and everything's awful. And you, worse than that, even which how could it get worse? He knows where they are now. She tells, she gives him the number, and then he picks up the number and it changes from okay, <laughs> take, okay, be careful, sweetheart. To love you, sweetheart. Give yeah. me your address there. <laughs> what is your address there? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I remember that. Oh God. Um, so uh, there's a dog tied up outside this hotel that they pet and are friends with, and he Reese comes back from the store with all this stuff, and she's like, "Oh, thank God, I'm I'm starving," and it's <laughs> it's just stuff to make nitroglycerin bombs out, of, pipe bombs out mm-hmm. of. Uh, what's this? Okay, she pulls out kind of one ingredient at a time. I really like that scene. And he's like, ah, oh, it's like a, it's a little more stable, but blah, blah, blah. It's like nitroglycerin. And, it's, and he teaches her how to make these bombs, and they make bombs together. How romantic. Um, and this is where the scene, this is where it happens, where, where, uh, she's there sitting there, and he's kind of keeping watch, and she asks, um... She asks, you know, what are, what are the women like in your time? And he's like, tough, good fighters, you know. What does he know? Mm-hmm. He doesn't know anything. And and she's like, I know, I don't mean that. I mean, you know, was there anybody, somebody special? He's like, what? No. <laughs> and it's earnest performance by him. Like I'm doing it sarcastically, and that's not really how he does it. He he's he basically earnestly admits to never having ever been in anything resembling a man girl right. relationship. Judgment Day happened when he was just a young kid. He barely remembers the world as it was. Uh, oh no, he doesn't remember. He was he born really after, doesn't wasn't remember. he? Even though he was born beforehand, he came up. He says in the okay. War. So yeah, you're right. He doesn't remember. Um, then she's tremendously heartbroken over this idea and kind of comes over to him and he explains to her that, uh, that, you know, he explains to her the story of the picture and that her legend and that her son told him the stories of her and how strong and amazing she was. And that, that he volunteered to do this because of her, because of how important she is and because he has this, sort of incredible crush on the, at least the legend of her. And she's like, well, you must be pretty disappointed. And he goes, no, to the contrary, you know, she look at what she's been through and what she's accomplished. Mm -hmm. And they, and the Terminator theme, which is this dark gurgling metallic haunting end of the world, you know, mass of a thing becomes this piano ballad for them making love in this hotel room. And I remember right. I got into a debate with a guy and you guys all know me. I'm pretty, I'm fairly puritanical and I don't like to see boobs and I don't want to go, like, go down that road or not. But that's reality is I just don't like things that are gratuitous, I guess we'll say. I <laughs> argued with a guy online cause he said, it's not very, you know, it's all, they're all sweaty and stuff and they're all naked. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I was like, 
He's like, oh, I remember back in my day when they were going, when some people were going to have sex, they would just, you would just see outside and you would see the light turn off. And I'm like, you want to see the, just the light turn off? She says at the end of the movie, in her own words, we loved, we were only together this short time. We loved a lifetime's worth. You have to demonstrate mm -hmm. that. And the yeah. scene with this music cue and these two people, this guy with these scars all over him, um, it's it's hard to explain. It's it's yeah. well, it's clumsy it's also, and awkward, and yet it's beautiful. And it's real and, realism, and I I just think it's one of the best and, love scenes in all of film, really. Yes, and it's human. Yeah, it is human. Is this is the thing that only humans can do, not Terminators? And we right, and we right. Mm -hmm. Amen. That is absolutely right. And. And he sets it up in this corny way. I mean, it's creepy in a way. Well, I'm in love with you. Well, that sounds like a lot, but it isn't. You believe him. I mean, that really yep. is the key. It's not a line. He doesn't think he, he doesn't think he's going to lose his virginity in four and a half minutes. He's just suddenly <laughs> telling her the truth about everything. You know what I mean? Right. It's right. it's and she's whether she knows it or not, she's been waiting for that. I. I to be that and to, to become something other than this person that she is. And she believes it and she believes that he loves her and you just see it. It's, it's, it's all, every second of it is crucial. And every time I hear that theme, you can play it in, in as many ways as you want, but this is where you really hear it. It's their theme to their love making and their, the love between them that creates the thing that saves the universe. I mean, right. That's, that's not cheap robot killer exploitation cinema. That's those are huge, lofty, amazing ideas, and we're not even fully aware of them while we're experiencing the scene. But you, you're feeling it anyway, and that it's important that you do that. So I dig it. Now, now it's after they've made love. They're in love. They're a couple. They're joking around and teasing each other like one. Just for this very brief moment, Reese actually smiles. Yeah, exactly. We get this idea that there's something here and it's everything's yeah, going to yeah. be okay. And then the dog starts barking, Joel. That'll happen. Yeah, and it's That'll off, happen when you give your address away. And <laughs> it's off to the races after that. And Yep. Uh man, and it's it's this is another chase. It's kind of amazing. And I don't really know how to break this one down. It's funny that it's the chase things well, I don't remember every single detail of. Yeah, I mean, well, the the chase. I mean, this involves the 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 truck, and they, you know, right. He's on the motorcycle at first, right, and they're yep. in this little car, and that's how it starts. But he, the the truck ends up this this eighteen wheeler ends up running over the Terminator when one of the pipe bombs goes off in just the right way. Mm -hmm. And and they it's great they go through that tunnel too with the bombs going off that's true I forgot about that that's fantastic very famous all the chases in L A are done in this tunnel I mean all of them <laughs> the most famous tunnel ever it's in Blade Runner it's in everything yeah but uh but there are them it's in Back to the Future too uh so the the these little pipe bombs are working lighting the fuses driving the car chasing you gotta when you're moving this fast it's really hard though to get these to blow up at exactly the right time even though reese is getting them right next to him it, it's not quite having the effect it wants but eventually he gets mm -hmm. run over by a semi-truck and uh the truck driver gets out to inspect underneath and see if he's there or what's happened and 
the uh, Terminator kind of smashes him. It gets up, climbs into the cab, looks over to the guy who was riding shotgun and says, get out, mm-hmm. which the dude promptly does. Um, that's a nice touch because he doesn't kill that dude. He doesn't have to. Again, it's all Terminator efficiency. And at this point, we really don't want to see some poor schlub that we don't even know and has barely said anything get murdered by the Terminator. So there's a relief to it and there's a humor to it that works really great. And again, it pays yep. off in future installments, but pays off less and less if I'm, if I'm being honest. And this is really going to be a deep dive, just the Terminator, and we can do the sequels next week. And that's fine. Yep. Oh, oh I made that. Yeah, I I, cl- I shut my other notes down a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, I thought that might happen, but and I, next week do we have a different show? So will we have to do Terminator sequels like the week after or something? Yeah, we might. Yeah. Well. Um. Whatever. We. Uh, yeah. Let's see. It'll uh, be so nice well, to be able to. It'll be nice to have done a deep dive on the Terminator, and it'll be nice to, which you guys probably figured would be the case. I guessed that it might be, but I wasn't sure. Um, I just you know what sure. I thought about it. You know what? what I thought about it. What? That's what I thought. That <laughs> that cue will come in much more handy in the sequel shows. That's actually a cue Correct. from a sequel, so it makes sense yep. that it would. Uh, this uh, is but, where James Cameron's nightmare comes in. Um, he gets in the truck and they crash and uh, the truck sort of, uh, Reese does this, um, the, the, does this amazing thing where he, it's this amazing bit of heroism on his part where he sort of, uh, she's out on her feet running and he sort of takes one of those bombs and slides it in under where the, um, gas tank of the semi is and then dives into a dumpster and flips the lid down and she's running 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 away and this truck just explodes and it's it's when you you see sarah in shot and i think it's important that you do that you don't just see the awesome truck exploding because you do and it is awesome but you see her with it right behind her when it happens and there's a bit of rear projection going on there the the nicer the home video releases get the more obvious that is i think on tv as kids you couldn't tell but mm-hmm. in high resolution you can definitely tell it's that it's rear projection but that truck exploding is so cool and those flames and the frame rate he's using and the way he's moving the camera this is all this is his, this is the nightmare that created the terminator in action and uh she, she sort of, what, does she go to Reese or does he come to her? I can't really remember. No, she, she goes, goes to him because he's, he's, uh, he's in bad shape. He's beat up really, really bad. Can barely walk. She sort of drags him out. They're sort of hugging each other. You're thinking that explosion should have done the trick. And then, mm-hmm. and then, uh, cause you see the Terminator get out of the cab of the truck, sort of kind of try and move around, fall and down. Fall you see down, it yeah. sort of, you see it skull sort of melting and you know and you're it i i think in today's film vernacular there's no way you're thinking that terminator shot but i think in the 1984 you hadn't seen a lot of movies like this with too many false endings that you might believe that this embrace that they're having is the is is the penultimate scene in the film but it's not he rises up behind them and comes out of the flames like we said and and they can't believe it but they just got to keep running so they get up he's limping along they run to this they're in this weird industrial park area they run and break the chains on the outside of one of these buildings and great scene 
with them being chased down the hall. The Terminator's out of commission too. He's limping along, but he's doing exactly what Reese said he would do. He's not. He's got life in it yet, and it's not stopping. Even in this state, its mission is to kill her, and that is what it's going to do. Um, and they, uh, what does he do? He very cleverly starts all the machines moving and zooming around. Covering his this, footsteps. Yeah. In this weird hydraulic factory that they're in. Uh, so that so that they can move around in there while the Terminator will have, have a hard time tracking it. He sends her down the stairs when it gets caught up with them, and he kind of mano a mano with it, and he pulls his own in this fight, and he even uh, uses the final pipe bomb to blow the Terminator into a bunch of pieces. It's just just not quite enough pieces. <laughs> yep. It's, yep. It's, he it works. I mean, it takes him out from his from his waist, basically severs him at the spine and sends the lower half of him that way and the upper half that way. But the upper half fights on, and and there's this weird sort of slow moving. It's still a chase scene. It's still it's super a slow intense. Chase. It's a fantastic slow chase of her crawling through all this equipment and gear and trying to get away from him. Because she just, got shrapnel from the blow up. She got shrapnel. Part of the, the Terminator. Legs, so she can't. So she's yeah. got to pull that out of herself. That's intense. Um, and she gets a plan. She goes through this big hydraulic press and she leads it through there. And when she gets to the other side and waits till it's in there, almost ready to choke her to death. And what she say? You're terminated, Effer. Yep. Boom, punches the red button and pff, this thing crushes the Terminator until its red eye slowly goes out. And we fade to moments later where there's cops here and people or whatever. And then they, there's mm -hmm. the scene where they pull Reese out of the rubble and he's clearly gone. And they zip him up and she sees this and reacts to it. And then there's another cut scene where the thing, the camera sort of pans over to the name of the company that they're in, which is Cyberdyne. Cyberdyne system, yeah. Yeah, they don't do that in the movie because they what they realize they, they, they didn't stick the Cyberdyne name early enough in the movie to make that mean anything. So mm -hmm. it's enough that you know, it's enough for future ideas that you know, that this is where this happened and that part of this thing part of this thing sort of lived on. Or at least it the legacy of its technology lived on. And right. thus created itself is the idea. Um, and then uh, we're on a Jeep out in the desert with a dog and a tape recorder. And she's making these tapes for a she's future pregnant. leader of the resistance. She's pregnant, right? We know how that mm -hmm. happened. Um, and she's getting gas. And, this, and she looks vaguely familiar in this little... Uh, Hispanic kid comes up to her and he's like, eh, blah, blah, blah. He's talking in Spanish. Yeah. She's like, what do you say? And she said, he said that if you don't buy a picture, polar, this Polaroid he took of you from him, then his <laughs> yep. father will beat him. And she's like, okay, yep. pretty good hustle kid. And she negotiates him down to what, two bucks or something. And she gives it four. to him. Quattro. Four. Quattro. Yep. Right, right, right. And he takes Which it I would have loved it if he would have said 450 and the kid would have just had two quarters and given it back to her. <laughs> But <laughs> she had quarters laid out on the dash. She had quarters laid out. I need you to buy this picture. Yeah. <laughs> 450. That'll get you into techno arcade. Um, <laughs> no, uh, before, yeah. It's, and, uh, it, we, okay, we joke about, but it, it's this incredibly beautiful moment because early yeah. in the movie, and I sort of saved this, He, this is the picture that Reese is carrying around in the future, and she tucks it under the tape. But early in the movie, he said, 
he said, I, I looked at that picture and you had this look like you, you were beautiful, but you were kind of sad. And I always wondered what you were thinking in that moment. And that's when she was thinking, she was thinking of him. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> it it's such you, a great, it makes that's you a cry. great tag. It makes it's a cry. great tag. It's it incredibly such a great powerful. tag on this movie. Yeah. yeah. She was thinking um, of him. She was thinking of him in only glowing ways. And she was trying to explain to her son what, what, a what an amazing person he was and just didn't know how to go about it. So she's just going to try and say it just amazing. And then, mm-hmm. and then he, the kid speaks in Spanish and she gets, she says, what are you saying? The gas station attendant, he says, they say there's a storm coming. And she says, I know. And drives off into the storm, drives off into the storm on this desert road in the Jeep. Mm-hmm. And the theme music kicks up. Chink, 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 chink. And that's the end of the Terminator, man. I did it in under two hours. Um, yeah, I mean, and and you know, the Terminator. Look, the Terminator. Yeah, we're going to talk about the other films, but you know, you're you're right. This movie is worth uh, spent going deep dive into it because it is it is it is super fun, and it is it's it's fun. It is to know that they did this for such a low budget. Um, and that it, it delivers um, on so many wonderful, fun levels. It's uh, yeah, it's it's so uh, yeah. This was um, this was really fun to to revisit this movie um, in 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 depth like this. It's a, it's a it's a classic. It's much better than I mean, and we all know that it launched a franchise. Obviously, the ideas are here are strong enough that it created this thing. But I really think the franchise was created out of. Of the sequel, right? Um, no, you're right. You're right because it's not got... not nearly enough of the stuff from this first movie. The sequel does great, and we'll talk about the sequel first thing, and we'll talk about the sequel probably more than we talk about the rest of the films because it it's 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 really is just a remake of this movie with a lot of things reversed, a lot of the relationships flipped, and a lot of yep. surprises. And that's what Cameron does. He, you know, tells the story again, but makes sure that it's different, new enough, bigger enough that you get this different experience. His very next movie, uh, Aliens, shows the power of how clever that thinking is and how smart yep. a negotiator of established canon and lore he, he can be. Cool, but, but the the love story at the heart of the Terminator has never been equaled. It's never even been attempted to be touched upon and that's it's the most important thing in the film really ultimately and i think that's what you miss out on and uh and that's why i really do i know terminator 2 people really really love that the notch up the action is out of this world the effects are incredible um but it it really is the terminator where that i'm still when i watch it i still get emotionally involved in it i i really really love these people I'll explain, you know, we'll explain the changes. We'll explain the different Reese's. We'll explain other Sarah Connors. Maybe we'll even, since we have more time, maybe we'll even get Sarah Connor Chronicles in there because that's a pretty good yeah. TV show, actually, That where they where they at least were working out some of these same ideas. They had a lot more time, obviously, to do that. But, sure. But uh, hats off to everybody involved in this thing. It's a mm-hmm. stunning achievement, you know. It, it isn't Cameron's debut film as a director, but it really is. As a writer, director, as a guy who got to have it his way to the degree that he could with the money that he had to work with, it it really, really is extraordinary. And 
music, cinematography, editing, all of it. The Stan Winston's Terminator effects cannot be undersold. The, yep. the music is is extraordinary. So it's it's a winner. I love it. Yep. To be um, a perfect movie. It's so good. Um, all right, folks, give us uh, you feel free to give us your thoughts on uh, Terminator. What was your favorite? Um, what was your favorite? Uh, oh, I can't even think of anything pithy to say here on that one. Like what? Uh, it, it, tell, you know, share in your love of the Terminator with us at the movie show with Joel and Ryan page on Facebook and at uh, ask Joel and ask Joel and Ryan on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. And of course, if you were watching us on youtube like and subscribe leave us a comment here we will we will uh we can get back to you um here as well um so yeah so we uh next week we might have a different show but um certainly in a couple weeks we're gonna uh terminator sequels in honor of the summer and big summer movies they were all big summer movies after this so yeah indeed 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 that's coming Um, even if it doesn't come right away all right all right so that is gonna do it for for this week Thanks for coming by, everybody. Bye now. Thank you for listening to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan. Remember, all views and opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the speaker and do not represent those people, institutions, or organizations that the speaker may or may not be associated with, unless explicitly stated. None of these views and opinions were intended to malign or deceive. And now... Here's the producers, circa 1982, to play us out. We'll be back.